big welcome back, everyone, to the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Donovan. The Evidence-Based Hair Podcast was produced by the Donovan Hair Academy. It was created for the hair loss practitioner, as well as all those who wish to dive in to the fascinating world of hair loss. Each week, I review hair research studies that are changing how we think about hair loss. I'll introduce them to you, help you make sense of them, and give you my thoughts on just how a given study might be changing how we diagnose or treat hair loss. Today it's my great pleasure to review two studies in central centrifugal cicatricial alopecia, and CCCA is indeed the topic of today's podcast. I'll begin by a study by Workman and Kindred in JAD Case Reports, July 2023. A very nice case report looking at hair regrowth in a patient with CCCA using baricitinib. And then we'll take a look at a study by Cook and colleagues in the journal Photodermatology, Photoimmunology, Photomedicine, August 2023. A prospective clinical trial looking at four patients who were treated with low-level laser for CCCA. Three of the four patients had a slight improvement in their hair with the use of a laser, here the Revian laser, and no side effects were observed. So we'll dive into that particular study together. The references for all these studies are in the show notes that accompany this episode. And a reminder that the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast was created for educational purposes and shouldn't be considered a substitute for medical advice. So CCCA is a condition I see often in the clinic. It's a scarring alopecia that commonly occurs in black women. The exact prevalence isn't clear, but it could be as high as 18% of adult black women experience CCCA. The condition starts with hair loss centrally and then moves out over time. A very nice study by Workman and Kindred from Maryland was published in JAD Case Reports in July 2023, titled Hair Regrowth in a Patient with Central Centrifugal Cicatricial Alopecia After a Two-Month Trial of Baricitinib. So CCCA is a scarring alopecia. The pathogenesis still isn't clear. Some patients have a genetic predisposition, but some patients don't have any observable genetic predisposition. It seems that external factors may be involved in some patients, and taken together, it appears that probably there's some genetic factors either worked out or not worked out, and together with injury to the hair follicle, either chemical injury, thermal injury, or other types of injury we don't fully understand, this process gets set up leading to CCCA. So a very nice study by Roche and colleagues in the JAD this year showed that STAT signaling, Jack STAT signaling, may be involved in CCCA. Their paper, Activation of STAT3 in Lymphocytes Associated with Central Centrifugal Cicatricial Alopecia, was published in the February issue of JAD. And their study showed that STAT3 is activated in perifollicular lymphocytes in patients with CCCA. And so it is possible 
baricitinib reduced stat signaling in lymphocytes could potentially help CCCA. And so Workman and Kindred set out to look at whether baricitinib could help their patient with CCCA, and they published their results in JAD case reports. This was a patient who had hair regrowth with a very short course of baricitinib, just two months. The patient was a 42-year-old African-American woman who presented to clinic with a five-year history of hair loss, along with itching and burning. She had a biopsy done, and the biopsy confirmed a diagnosis of CCCA. She was treated with 40 milligrams of doxycycline, 2.5 milligrams of oral minoxidil, topical corticosteroid solutions, and then triamcinolone acetonide steroid injections. Steroid injections helped control symptoms, but when steroid injections were reduced in frequency, symptoms returned. The patient was tried on higher doses of doxycycline, higher than 40 milligrams, but gastrointestinal symptoms resulted, and so that was not possible. After two years, the patient returned to clinic with symptoms again, and a decision was made to start baricitinib 4 milligrams. There's no FDA-approved treatments. This is an off-label treatment. Baricitinib is, of course, FDA-approved for alopecia areata as of June 13th, 2022. The patient started baricitinib, continued monthly steroid injections, stopped the topical steroid, stopped the 40 milligrams of doxycycline. After one month on baricitinib, symptoms improved, and after two months, hair growth started to occur. And this is a very nice study, available free online, so do check it out, and you can see the improvement in hair that occurred at the two-month time point. A slight increase in density. So an interesting paper that positions JAK inhibitors as a possible treatment for CCCA. This is a case report of one patient. I think we have to be careful about placing it too high on our list of treatment options until more studies are done, but it's a very reasonable second-line treatment option. What often happens in dermatology, and we, we see this often in the hair world, is a case report comes out and that really becomes the mainstay of treatment moving forward. We've see, we saw that with pioglitazone in the treatment of lichen planopilaris, where a case report came out and every patient with lichen planopilaris was treated with pioglitazone. I think case reports are really valuable in our field, and that can't be underestimated. I think we do not give enough credit to the value of good case reports. But I think we have to be careful about where we position it in terms of treatment algorithms. And I think right now in CCCA, treatments like steroid injections, doxycycline, topical or oral minoxidil, as well as gentle hair care, are still first-line treatment options. But we have these very exciting second-line treatment options that are sitting there for us to consider. Topical metformin, 10%. Oral baricitinib now, PRP, and others. But oral baricitinib is on the list, right there with topical 10% metformin. Like all good studies, this study raises a lot of questions. Workmen and Kindred present their data after two months of being on baricitinib. What would happen if the patient continued four months, eight months, ten months? 
Would the good results continue? Would the hair density improve? Would the patient lose hair? We don't know. I think we have to be careful concluding anything otherwise. We just don't know. How long should a patient be treated with baricitinib in CCCA? Six months? Six years? Ten years? What would happen if the drug is stopped? Is hair loss, is hair loss occurring again? We don't know. This is a study of baricitinib, four milligrams. What is the dose in CCCA? Is it four milligrams, two milligrams? Is it four milligrams every other day? We don't know. Four milligrams is certainly the dose for alopecia areata in a severe case of alopecia areata. Seems to be a reasonable dose in some scarring alopecias. We don't know CCCA. Are these results applicable to other JAK inhibitors, or is there something special about JAK1, JAK2 inhibition that, that baricitinib brings about? Would this occur with ritlicitinib? Would this occur with tofacitinib? Would this occur with hepatocitinib? We don't know. These are important questions. Would topical JAK inhibitors work? We have an availability of compounding topical tofacitinib off-label, topical ruxolitinib is available for the treatment of dermatologic issues. Would this have a benefit? Would topical JAK inhibitors have the same benefit in CCCA? Would it have a better benefit? We just don't know. And is it possible that the patient may have achieved a similar outcome had she started topical metformin or PRP or something else? We don't know. So these are all really important questions. And all good studies raise important questions. And so it's more of a reflection of it being a good study than it being a study with limitations. There are always limitations with case reports, but these are our questions. Now, certainly topical agents are really attractive options for scarring alopecia. The inflammation is quite high up in the skin in scarring alopecia. These lymphocytes are about two millimeters under the skin, give or take a millimeter. In alopecia areata, the lymphocytes are six millimeters under the skin. And so the argument has been topical agents don't work very well in alopecia areata because the agents, the drugs, can't penetrate deep enough in the skin. In scarring alopecia, it's different. Inflammation is just a few millimeters under the skin, so maybe, just maybe, these topical agents could work. So, really exciting study. We have JAK inhibitors now on the list as second-line options, not first-line options for CCCA. If I see a patient tomorrow morning with CCCA that has never been treated, I'm not going to start baricitinib. I'm probably going to start steroid injections, topical steroids, and doxycycline if there's no contraindications. These are the agents that I have seen the best results with over time in hundreds and hundreds of patients. But baricitinib's on the list. And so if I'm seeing a patient that hasn't done well with doxycycline or couldn't tolerate it like this patient or can't tolerate steroid injections or got too much atrophy, then I'm going to be thinking to myself, okay, what's next? What can we use? Five years ago, we would say, let's use hydroxychloroquine, plaquenil. There's really no good evidence for hydroxychloroquine in CCCA that's convincing. But... We have topical metformin, we have baricitinib, we have PRP, we have topical tacrolimus. So we've got these agents that are second-line agents which can help. Clearly we need more study, but these are exciting studies. 
So we move on now to a study by Cook and colleagues in a journal we don't talk a lot about in the hair world, and that's Photodermatology, Photoimmunology, Photomedicine, a journal that we, we do talk about in dermatology. The title of this paper, Use of Low-Level Laser Therapy in Management of Central Centrifugal Cicatricial Alopecia, a case series of four patients. The August issue of Photodermatology, Photoimmunology, Photomedicine. So this is a new study which reports the potential for low-level laser to be used in CCCA. So the, the study examined the use of low-level laser in five African-American women. It was a prospective clinical trial. All patients were required to be on stable treatment for at least three months before enrolling in the study. And treatments other than laser had to be kept constant during the study. So patients were instructed to use the Revian laser, and the Revian company supplied the lasers to these patients. The Revian Red Cap, if you don't know, is a low-level laser device that has 119 light-emitting diodes that emit both red, 660 nanometer wavelength light, and orange, 620 nanometer light. And patients' hair loss was assessed at baseline, and then at follow-up visits at two, four, and six months. And patients were assessed with digital photography, patient self-assessments of symptoms, various dermatoscopic assessments, and various evaluations of severity. Four patients ultimately completed the trial. One of the patients was lost to follow-up. Patients ranged from 49 to 69. Median age, the mean age was 57 years. Patients were black or African American. Patients were in various stages of CCCA. Two patients were stage 2B, one was stage 3B, and one was stage 4A. And if you don't know, CCCA is graded in severity from 0 to 5. 0 is normal hair density, and 5 is severe alopecia. And patients had a disease duration ranging from 10 to 22 years, and the average duration was. 16.5 years. So that's really important because we'll come to see in just a minute that 75% of patients had a little bit of improvement. So after a mean disease duration of 16.5 years, we could still get regrowth in CCCA. So all patients were treated with topical steroids and topical minoxidil. Two continued to receive steroid injections. One received oxycycline, one received finasteride. So treatments continued during the trial, and the Revian laser was added. The authors monitored perifollicular scale, hyperpigmentation, breakage, interfollicular scale, redness in the scalp, loss of follicular openings, and then photos. At six months, at that six-month follow-up visit, laser therapy was found to have no effect on redness, no effect on scaling, no effect on hyperpigmentation. But the laser helped breakage in one patient. And remember, breakage is very much a part of CCCA, and in fact, sometimes is one of the very first things that occurs in CCCA. Breakage improved from moderate to mild in that one patient, but breakage did not change in the other three patients. But the biggest effect was on growth. Three of four patients had 
an improvement in the hairs coming out of follicular openings. So there was a, an improvement in the number of follicles showing a loss of follicular openings. In two of the patient, the loss of follicular openings went from moderate to mild, and in one patient it went from severe to mild. But at six months of treatment, an increase in hair density via photographs was observed in three of the four patients, 75%. The patient with the most severe disease at baseline, the stage 4A patient, had no increase in density by photography. There were no side effects with the laser. I like this study. It's one of the first studies to use low-level laser in CCCA. One of the limitations in this study is patients had to be on a treatment plan of some sort for three months before starting the laser. And that's really not long enough for a lead-in period. You can imagine that it would be possible for some patients to start topical minoxidil or steroid injections or, or doxycycline three months before starting the laser study. That's not long enough. It needs to be six months or nine months of stable treatments before starting laser to really understand how well the laser works. You can imagine in a study like this, if, if everyone started treatments three months before the trial, then it could be the doxycycline, the finasteride, the minoxidil, the steroid injections that explains the nice results, not the laser. And so that's an important limitation. But nevertheless, it's, it's an important study. I think it's worthwhile that we continue to study low-level laser for CCCA. Not huge increases in density, but, but still increases in density. Safe treatment, well-tolerated treatment. And the adherence was excellent. Patients were very committed to doing this for the six months. At least four of the five were. One was lost to follow-up. It's really, really, really important to be aware that patients on laser therapy often suffer from treatment fatigue. There's lots and lots of lasers in the world right now, as you're listening, that are sitting in closets, and some even forgot they had a laser. So some patients can start a laser, but they don't continue a laser. Some patients can do the laser well for three weeks, six weeks, two months, five months, and then they go on their first vacation, they come back, they never use it again. We have to remember that. The Revian company provided lasers free in this study. It was a clinical study, small study. May or may not be representative of the real world. And as we reviewed a few podcasts ago, this sort of real-world study type thinking is really important as we go about thinking about clinical trials. It was really nice to see that one of the patients was using doxycycline and did well on the laser. We don't think there's any interaction with red lights, orange lights, and, and doxycycline. We have lots of patients with various scarring alopecias that use doxycycline and low-level laser, and we don't see a problem. It's always a concern that patients ask. But it seems to be that the ultraviolet radiation is a problem with doxycycline, and doxycycline makes patients photosensitive to the UV, not really the red light. We don't see problems with red lights. We don't know if this is a finding specific to the Revian laser. It would be surprising if it was, 
but this was a study of the Revian laser. Would all the other lasers on the market have a similar result? Would a laser with 300 lasers have a better result than a laser with a few hundred lasers, lights? We don't know. This clearly needs to be studied. These are two really nice studies that I appreciated the opportunity to review with you today. We reviewed a study of baricitinib by Workman and Kindred in JAD case reports, July 2023, showing hair regrowth with four milligrams of baricitinib. And then we talked about this study by Cook and colleagues, August 2023, photodermatology, photoimmunology, photomedicine, showing three of four patients having some improvement with the use of the Revian laser for CCCA. Next week, we're back talking about studies in alopecia areata. And if you'd like to review which studies I'll be reviewing, I will put those in the show notes that accompany this podcast episode. To connect with our office or to learn more about the training programs at the Donovan Hair Academy, you can email us at info at donovanhairacademy.com. And for those of you who are interested in joining me for the 2024-2025 Evidence-Based Hair Fellowship Training Program, I remind you that we're just three weeks away from the deadline to apply. And you can contact us at info at donovanhairacademy.com for more information. You can connect with us on Twitter or X, Instagram, Facebook, using the Donovan Medical Handle. We are open 24 hours a day. The DonovanMedical.com website has lots of great articles, about a decade worth of good stuff. Subscribe to our blog articles to stay up to date on the world of hair loss as it happens. Our weekly question of the week is a great way to think about hair loss problems in a way you might not have thought about. And you can check out our upcoming webinars that are on the Donovan Medical website. I'll say goodbye for now. I look forward to welcoming you back next week for another episode of the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast. Thanks so much.